You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 372. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, to discuss the fifth episode of NBC Peacock's adaptation of the classic Aldous Huxley novel, Brave New World. Dude, you're back to work. It's raining. It's kind of cool. I went to the store today. I put long pants on. Really? Yeah. Wow. It was great. I haven't gotten <laughs> there yet, but... Uh, um but uh, you know, I don't know. It's 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 not like I can be outside anyway because I'm you know, uh, you know I'm a teacher so and we're completely virtual first semester so uh, all the meetings and stuff we go to are all done you know virtually through Google Meets. So um, yeah, I'm just basically at home in front of my computer all day, which is super fun. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, it's going to be obviously a real challenge for teachers, especially students, parents. And, and yeah, those of you that are parents with kids in school, you guys just got to be patient. Oh my God. For the, you know, the parents have kids in like kindergarten or first or second grade, man, I just, I can't. You're homeschooling. Yeah. You know, and, and, and these parents have to work, obviously. Um, there's so many people now that I know that are looking for, like college students that are taking a semester off so that they can have someone who can come and, you know, basically in loco parentis for their kids, you know, like to, to actually be there and full time, you know, babysitter, but not just babysitting, but, you know, walking their kids through all the stuff and everything. So, um, well, you know, and, and I, this certainly isn't my idea. I read it somewhere and I, it seems to make a lot of sense and and obviously i don't have kids and like you said your kids are of the age where they don't have to have your help at this point but it just seems for the younger ones that maybe you have to start you know getting to know your neighbors and you know you know parent a takes the kids on monday over to his or her house and then goes to work on Tuesday and parent B and, you know, maybe just share the load and, you know, maybe have three or four kids in your house, but becomes a workable solution to the the learning at home sure. and being able to still hold down your job. But right, anyway, right. let's, let's not go too deep into that area. <laughs> um, if you guys want to contact us, episode feedback questions, the email address is sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. If you want to send us some feedback the way Fred does, just record your own audio clip, send it as an attachment. Tweet us at Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Consider joining the Facebook group and get into the discussions there. All right, so what I'm watching, season three of the Danish series The Rain. Uh, I don't think you said you watched. No, that, but that you know, like just just this morning, in fact, I was reading an article about like the best foreign language genre shows on netflix and the rain was was up there in that conversation of course dark was too it's a show that every time i hear about it, i'm like you know i feel like that show sounds like it's actually really good a lot of people i know you've you you like it right i do like it it's not great but it's good okay. and again it's the third season is the final season i've come this far yeah, they're short seasons. I think one first season was eight, and then second and third, I believe, are six each. Yeah, the characters are compelling. I mean, it's basically a man-made virus gets loose. Where have we heard that before? And is I've carried never, by I've the never rain. Heard that story, yeah, I know. And the story follows a young boy and his older sister 
who've weathered the virus in their father's bunker ah, for five I saw what years. You did there. Weathered. What I do? He said weathered. Oh, the rain nice. weathered. Yeah, that's good. I, that's, like. I like it. <laughs> so it's your standard post-apocalyptic story. Certainly, we can look at it in terms of a hero's journey, but it's. Again, it's pretty good. There's a lot of twists, and I'm not going to spoil anything else there. Uh, The other show I took a look at finally, because it's been showing up in my Netflix feed for the last week or so, is Biohackers. And I know Fred has mentioned that on the Facebook group. You know, as you might imagine from the title, it's about a group of people that are trying to manipulate DNA, and, and the main character appears to be this a female medical student named Mia. I've only seen the first episode and you know, it was okay. I'll probably take a look at the second episode when I get a chance and not, not great so far, but, but again, it's a, a short, I think it's only six episodes maybe. So I'll probably take a look at it. It was, I mean, look in episode one, you had a fluorescent mouse running around and people chasing it. So, yeah. I mean, it's not nudity, violence, or what's your other? Uh, I believe this week for Brave New World was, I was actually going to say this for later, but might as well bring it now. Uh, language, nudity, sex, violence. So The, qu- the quadfecta. <laughs> yeah, the quadfecta. I did. I called it the trifecta uh, last week. Yeah. That, would, that is inaccurate by one. I guess the, yeah. A quadrecta, a quadfecta. I don't know. It's four good yeah. things. The yeah. four essential so, uh, elements to a, a uh, something on television for me. All right, what are you watching? Okay. I know you've heard this, but I don't know if you've seen it. Have you been watching Lovecraft County Country? Sorry, Lovecraft. I, I, I have not. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not going to go through my HBO Max Roku rant again. But <laughs> I, mean, I could get it on my laptop or my iPad. I just don't. But uh, right. No, but I haven't seen them yet. It is so good. It is just excellent. And in a way that, like... I mean, obviously, it's not like Watchmen, right? But in the way in that they managed to make these really strong anti-racist statements and to portray a a, a work that explores the, the black experience and still, well, not and still, like as if you can't do that and still, but in addition to that, to tell like a really great story. And in this case, even to go a step further of to create these horror stories that are just impeccably done. Last night's episode was about as good a, a, an example of the genre of horror as I think I've ever watched. It scared the crap out of me. It was suspenseful. It was freaky. Uh, my heart was racing almost the whole time i'm sort of thinking this is might be one of the best examples of horror i've ever watched in my life and in addition to that it's dealing with this you know a a group of of black people moving into a white neighborhood in the 1950s and the struggles they go through just on a a non-supernatural basis with just their their white neighbors in addition, there's this supernatural element that they're combating as well. It's just, it's just so well done. There's only three episodes in, so I mean, there's a lot more to go, obviously. But it is, 
I, I didn't think I was going to watch it at first because I thought I was, I'm, I was really thinking about canceling HBO because of the HBO Max fiasco. The The reason I didn't cancel HBO Max was, A, I wanted to see the rest of the Perry Mason. And B, um, my son, who's in college, I think, has watches HBO Max a lot on his laptop. He's not he's not fussy. So, okay. um, so I figured, well, if I'm going to have HBO, I might as well check out this love because i can i can get the hbo app on my television i can't get hbo max but i can watch like just the normal stuff like they used to have on hbo now which for some reason went away and now there's this hbo app which is looks like the same thing hbo now was except not so it's just a big cf but anyway lovecraft country is amazing very a, a tremendous amount of depth to it well, one thing I'm never going to go off. There's one more thing I'll just say that I love that they do is they take recordings of black speakers, poets, artists, writers, uh, politicians, leaders, and they will have that going over like the action. And um, the, like number two, uh, the second episode is called Whitey's on the Moon. And I'd never heard this poem before, but they have. I like I didn't even. This is how pathetic I'm. I haven't even gone and looked it up. But this, this is a really amazing poem called "Ways on the Moon," and they have the person reading it while the action is taking place. And obviously, there's really not dialogue going on, but you just see visual action there while this thing is going. And the two things totally relate to one. It's just it's just really really good. I can't recommend it highly enough. And as, you know, I think we definitely need more shows like this and it seems like now finally people are starting to get hip to actually uh, wanting to change these things and uh, i think shows like lovecraft country actually can can help that process along so two thumbs up all right cool all right i'll check it out for sure talking about people that want to change things uh, i think that's a great segue <laughs> into episode 105 firefall written by Nita Braddock, who has written for a, a spy show called Berlin Station, which I've never seen, but I've, I've heard good things about it. Also wrote for a show called The Sinner with Bill Pullman and Jessica Biel in season one. And then in season two, apparently Bill Pullman is, you know, he's kind of a detective and there's a new central character. Jessica Biel was on trial. I think for murder as i recall i saw it i should remember but uh <laughs> it was pretty good directed by Aoife mccardle who is a northern ireland uh director Aoife. Mo- um Aoife? yeah okay spelled a-o-i-f-e well, e-o-i-f-e but it's pronounced Aoife. okay well her name is spelled a-o-i-f-e oh is it but, oh not well, same yeah. thing but anyway uh, directed music videos for U2, Brian Ferry, nice, and nice. a boatload of commercials. So uh, that said, I I thought this episode was great in addition to checking all of your boxes and, <laughs> and my boxes as well. You know, a couple of things. And, and, and again, we don't need to belabor the whole novel versus TV series because I think if you've been listening to the podcast, you know where we stand on that. But just to bring up, in the novel, Helm Watson is a male and yeah. like his friend bernard feels different from others around him and and we see some of that in the series version of helm 
although it's kind of an artistic sensibility that we don't necessarily see to this extent in the novel, but I, I love this struggle that she's going through as a creative artist, and I'll make an air quote, yeah. because I, I, in her world, I guess she is a creative sure. artist. Certainly, you know, I find that interesting, but why now? What, the, has the social body always had individuals who've questioned their own existence, or is there something that's different now? I mean, is it simply a byproduct of the passage of time and the social body's history? I mean, are, are we witnessing the initial stages of the fall of the new London empire? Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. And um, <clears throat> we would say that obviously, I don't think this is something that's just happening now. Um, and the, the guy who um, had been, you know, basically sent away to be the director of Savage Lands for seven years um, and then gets killed right as he's going to head back to New London. That sucks for that guy. But anyway, you know, it seems like that guy is an example of someone who was probably felt differently than he was supposed to. And so he was exiled. And certainly Bernard was also uh, apparently on the way to being exiled as well. So it, it seems like they have a system in place to, you know, kind of deal with people who are, you know, experiencing feelings of, of discontentment. But, uh, you know, what what I think we're, we're starting to see a little bit here is that, you know, discontent is contagious for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there have certainly been critics who've questioned, and, and not only in Brave New World, in, in any work that has been brought to the TV screen, when the showrunners change the character from a male to a female or a female to a male and and somehow that ruins it and and you know we talked about mustafa mond as a woman here and helm watson it's just seamless it doesn't matter sure in, in fact i would argue i like this better right well, now well you know helm holds well she's not helm she's wilhelmina uh but anyway right. helm watson in the show is so different than the character in the book is to not even, there's no point in even comparing the two. As you said, like I think Helm Watson in the book is writes jingles. He writes commercials, right? Um, and starts having this vague feeling that he could be doing more. Helm Watson in the show is she makes feelies. We don't really see that desire except for that scene where John is basically relaying the story of his escape from from the savage lands except you know with demons and you know things like that uh so the two characters are really completely different and serve entirely different narrative uh purposes in there uh really in the book he's just like a sounding board for john someone who is sympathetic to john someone who is uh john can relate to in some way but also the the character of John, as we've said a number of times, is so vastly different. At this point, it's like there's no, like there's not even a, a need to compare the two because the the character in the book and the character in the show are just so completely different that uh, you know there's just, there's really little to say. There is at least one time that there, there, I mean there are a couple of things, incidents that happen that are similar to what happened in the book, but 
they're for completely different purposes and, and completely different results as well. So, yeah. Um, well, you know, the, right from the opening scene where we see C Jack 60 waking up in his room slash cell, because that's what they all look sure. like. And then we get the camera pull out and we see all the other C Jacks waking up at exactly the same time, taking their Soma at exactly the same time. He draws a frowning face in the condensation on his window. And again, the camera shot was perfect because his eyes are behind the eyes that he's drawn in the window. And it's just so powerful because we've seen, you know, the the little inklings of change in him and and questioning, at, at least as far as he's able to question. And while we'll talk about Mond in a minute, we also get that visual of her and the scarring that she has. So Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you can offer some insight on that in a little bit. But then we're at... Well, just before before we go, just one thing. Because I I, I know you've seen the Truman Show, right? I have. So you you can't see someone like drawing on a mirror on a window where their face is. Uh, without thinking of the Truman Show, you know, and everything. And and just like in that, in the Truman Show, when uh, Truman, the character, is drawing on the mirror, um, is, you know, reflects, you know, where his character is at, at the time it happens. And I think like maybe at least twice, maybe three times in the movie. So I, I like that, that device there, especially as you know me, anything that you can, you know, communicate emotion non-verbally without the use of dialogue i think that's great and so i I, you know i really liked that that scene there especially with you know his eyes and and the eyes of the thing and everything so yeah and the the fact that he draws it uh, again i i think the limited you know verbal output we've had from him you know while it, it may increase a little bit it's almost as if they talk in you know, monosyllabic words and and very simple sentences, but simple they may be, but that doesn't mean they're not powerful as well. And, you know, we're, we're at Helm's party. And of course, Bernard, for the second time, starts bragging about knowing John and, you know, how he helped John escape and all of that. And of course, he draws a crowd once they learn that he's connected to the savage. But C-Jack is there to work and is clearly more interested than he should be. And and I love when he says to his female uh, co-worker, why do they do it? Why don't we? And right. th- there's not really the, the inflection that there should be in, in that kind of question. It almost should be like, well, why don't we? Yeah. And whether that's a byproduct of his epsilonness or whatever the fact that he's raising that question is pretty significant sure now oh, you it's said a gro- grossly inappropriate you, question for a co-worker though too so don't well again but i think we know he's saying the we is the greater yeah, no, epsilon I know, population I know. I know but the question that you raised a few minutes ago you know is this something that's contagious is it spreading so Obviously, this is something he's now thinking about bringing it to her attention. Will it have meaning for her? That remains to be seen. But 
then the other thing I love is as the music is pounding and the lights are pulsing and you see him start to tap his foot and then it's almost like his hand starts moving in time to the music as the orgy begins around them. And, you know, of course, we can ask the same question. Why, why don't we do that? Yeah. But okay, we're too old now. Yeah. So. Well, I know why. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the um, thing. I don't have to ask the question. I know the answer already. So. <laughs> yeah, good point. But uh, so, so then we get that great scene. And we'll, again, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth when we talk about Bernard and John. But when he walks out after punching Henry, C-Jack 60 has observed that entire scene and you see him, he's now learned how to make a fist and use it. Yeah. That's not and good. Nothing good's coming from that. That's not good. Right. And we now go back to that initial death with the C-Jack that, you know, takes a dive off the uh, second floor balcony or second floor uh, whatever and we've assumed it was some sort of an accident. Was it murder? Is it, as Mond says, an Indra correction? Right. Don't know, but not liking where this is headed, at least uh, in, in those terms. Yeah, but I mean, but certainly Mond, yeah, suggests that. Well, like, you know, we said one way that I guess Indra corrects the society is by having people exiled, but apparently another way is have them either kill themselves or be killed right and and clearly violence is not part of this society at least on any significant level and we saw that a couple episodes ago when, when lenina just swats franny's hand away and that violent act really catches franny off guard but you know now with with bernard slugging him and and knocking him to the ground and see jack seeing that and, and of course everybody else seeing it mm-hmm. and you know he's gonna be kind of a folk hero after that counselor mond i mean she summons bernard is that some kind of art gallery that he walks through yeah i mean i, I didn't i didn't pause it i didn't go it's like the third time i've seen this episode but in in neither none of those three times did i did i you know, stop to try and figure out what those pieces of art were. I just kind of assumed that they were, I mean, I didn't recognize any of them either, but I assume that they are, you know, pieces of art from, from our world, from old, well, I mean, we don't live in London, but we'll say old London. She was able to, you know, hold on to, uh, in, after the building of new London, which if apparently from the, the picture that uh, that Fred put on on Facebook that I pretty definitively I would say that uh, New London is built on a raised platform over the old city itself. Yeah, in, in fact, you know, looking at that again, and I know I referred to it as the the White Cliffs of Dover, and you know, looking at it a little more carefully, it's like. Uh, I don't know what the hell I was looking at because as you said, you know, however they constructed it and for whatever reason, you know, as you said, new London is, you know, on a raised platform, old London seems to be in in quite a bit of disrepair down below and, and just probably falling apart, but still. 
whether that's going to play a part in the story, who knows? You know, Fred's question last week or the week before was, uh, you know, are there people living in old London? And, you know, at this point, we don't know. Sure, it doesn't but seem like it from that I, picture, though, right? Yeah, I don't think so. But, you know, the thing about the, the paintings, I, I mean, I didn't look at them real closely either, but they didn't seem to be of a style that, I associate with our time period doesn't mean they aren't doesn't mean they're not you know examples of art that the people in power aren't supposed to have but have anyway because as you see Bernard going through first thing is what is this place implying he's never been to an art gallery they don't have art galleries right and not that he seemed to be upset or thrown off by these paintings but clearly there was something he didn't understand and i don't mean he didn't understand what the artist was trying to convey he just didn't understand what this is because this is a world that helm watson is viewed as an artist right and you know we get that great scene with john later on where she's explaining what it is she does and yeah and it ends in an orgy (laughs) because it always ends in an orgy sure and it's I guess that's what's so great about him telling her that story that she, number one, is perceptive enough to be caught up in it. And even though it's not the most elaborate, complex story, for her world, it is. Yeah. And and she sees the value in it for her as an artist. So is she going to steal his idea? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Why not? Seems likely, right? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, this whole idea of of a narrative of a story, like when she explains her her movie, which is just like, I mean, all this is special effects, right? There is no story sure. at all. Before we condemn her too much, think about the last five movies you saw. Not you personally, Dave, but just all our listeners out there, or especially the very popular movies, and think how much of those movies actually had like a decent story that was engaging or was it just a bunch of computer generated graphics things blowing up cars you know going off of cliffs and things like that from one okay okay, grand i'm talking to the wrong crowd probably no one listening to this (laughs) talking to you marvel (laughs) but uh but but yeah, I mean like you know a lot of movies, a lot of very popular movies today, I have like really nothing going for them except for you know amazing special effects, and uh, and they make you know boatloads of money. Yeah. Now when he goes in to see Mond finally, and she reiterates what his job is, which is of course to help John integrate into their society. Did you view it as a threat? When she says that if he doesn't buy in, Indra's going to make a correction. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Okay. That is a now, threat you, for sure. Now, on the other end, now, she dangles a carrot because she's like, we're going to need a new director. And Bernard's like, oh, oh, oh I, that maybe that's going to be me. Like, why else would she tell me? Then he finds out later that Henry got the job. And so he's just like, damn. Yeah, well, Henry got his. So, sure. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, um, Who's the woman that she's playing Go with? Well, I mean, she's yeah. like a hologram or something because she just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, at, at first, the first time I watched it, I thought, okay, is that 
a holographic representation of Indra that she's playing with. But no, I don't think so because number one, she's the individual that brings Bernard back. So Indra wouldn't be in a servile role or would it? I mean, who knows? But, um, you know, that's the second show that we've watched. Uh, um, Counterpart, they were big on having characters play Go. So I don't know what the significant of that game is, but uh, Except talk a little a bit about... strategy game that yeah. I, 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 mean, I mean, I've never played it, so I don't know, but it looks like a game that requires strategy and you know mon is unable to beat the you know the 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 hologram or whatever well and obviously the pieces are black and white and in counterpart where you had the the two universes and and you know even here uh things are not black and white i often wonder whether the the showrunners are using it just because of its visual appeal but again as you said it is a strategy game but uh, we see Lenina having sex with Henry. Yeah, we do. And yeah, and it's a pretty intense encounter. You know, I'm, you know, I'll be honest. I'm just watching it. I'm okay. How far are you going to go here? What, what are we going to see or not see? But <laughs> what comes out of that sequence is that she's clearly gone against sexual protocols. Well, she takes over, and, right? <clears throat> Exactly, and, she and, and the, he's, the the dominant not I mean dominant position, but also just dominance as as the being the one dictating what they're going to do. What do you mean dominant position? Was there something I? I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I refer to the uh, the line three of the James song laid, and uh, for okay. those of you who've heard, you know what I mean. Uh, dude, I was just listening to James Gang on YouTube yesterday. Is that the James Gang? Funk. The band just called James. Oh, oh, a okay. really popular Sorry. song called. I Lady. I know who they are. My wife has one of their yeah. CDs, which probably I don't think I ever listened the, to. They're the one. <laughs> Everyone has the right. one CD by James. It's really good. Yeah, but he says, "I'm the alpha. I'm supposed to lead." And and this is not the Lenina he knows. And she's like. Okay, yeah, but did you like it? Right. And, and, and it's like he can't process what she's asking, which is just amazing. Yeah. It's such a powerful scene because this dude's an alpha plus. Sure. And did you really not understand her question? Is it really that outside of your uh, frame of reference that you don't get it? I, I, and she tries to rephrase it i i I don't think it's that the question is outside it's just a beta asking him that question is outside you know well i mean can he not admit that he liked it or did he really not like it in which case i feel like dude what the hell's wrong with you but (laughs) i think he genuinely did not like it you know um though he appeared to like it at the moment i think on reflection he he did not. So it's it's like if you are being intimate with someone and they do something that might bring physical pleasure, but is kind of beyond your parameters of, of what you find acceptable uh, in that situation, you know, you, you wouldn't be contemplating whether it was pleasurable or not. You would just be kind of freaked out by what happened, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the things that 
I thought about at the beginning of this series, why nine episodes? I mean, why not eight? Why not 10? One of the things I thought about as I was watching this for the second time is that, you know, that, that fifth episode, which we're talking about now, is right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it's that apex. And, and for her, it's like it, it's kind of at the height of her awakening. And she just keeps going. And she says, well, I liked it. Do you like that I liked it? Just really making him ultra uncomfortable again. So whether it's that he's supposed to be the one in charge and and this beta plus is now putting him, you know, on edge. Oh, no, she's not done. She's got his Soma dispenser. (laughs) And And she crossed the line. Oh, there are other ways to be Henry. And of course, he doesn't want any part of that. She even talks about never taking it again, and he grabs it, and it's not clear whether he means they'll never have sex again or he won't tolerate this behavior again, but either way, I think these two are done. At least I hope well, they're But they're, done. they're back she, at it at the feely, though. Well, they are, and I'm not sure exactly what to make of that. I mean, you know, one of the things about Helm Watson and her art it's it's really more like performance art, right? I mean, she creates all of the outfits and they print their outfit on, you know, I suppose on, you know, 3D printing situation. And, you know, so she creates all of that. And of course, John refuses to wear what he was supposed to wear, but, you know, she loves his choice nonetheless. Yeah, I know. And that is somewhat disturbing that, that she does hook up with him at the uh, event again. So, you know, I don't know. But but regardless, she walks out of the office. And, and in fact, she's sitting in his chair right. the whole time. She's putting him on the spot. So it, it just makes him so uncomfortable. It, it's just great. Yeah, I, love I it. think it kind of builds on what we, we saw from Lenina in the Savage Land when she and Bernard were talking about, well, you know, we could be monogamous, you know, like do something perverse for their society, right? We're going to do something dirty, something unheard of. And she kind of gets off on that. And we can kind of see that here too, that, um, you know, Lenina as a character, and I just shouldn't say the word perverse because, you know, for us, what she's doing is completely normal, right? Um, But for their world, it's, uh, verboten and you know she seems to relish in the kind of like the forbidden fruit aspect of it you know she knows she's being bad and she's you know kind of just enjoying that that role as the bad girl now you know one of the things that comes out in the novel and again it's something that I, th- I thought about as we're watching that scene at the, I don't know if they gave us a name for what sport they're playing. It's kind of a combination of racquetball and tennis played indoors, but they make a point in the novel that the sports have to be such that things get consumed right. and have to be replaced, which obviously helps the industry. So that if you said, well, we've got this great game, I feel like Bob Newhart, you 
probably don't remember this bit that he did uh, trying to sell the game of baseball to a game company uh, <laughs> posing as Abner Doubleday. But it's like, all right, let's see. So you've got this basket that's on a pole and it's got a backboard and then there's a ball. Well, does the backboard wear out? Oh, no, no, it lasts forever. Well, what about the ball? Oh, the ball lasts for a good long time. No, that's not good. That's not a good game. <laughs> right Now, the game here... From a visual standpoint, oh my God, just, you know, Fred talks about the world building in his feedback. I'm just continually stunned by the things that they're doing with this show. But obviously, that's not what's going on in this scene. Um, Franny wants to know why Lenina didn't tell her that she knows the savage. And, and again, it's that you don't have to know everything. Some things are private. And, and of course, alarm bells are going off. No, yeah, no, it, no. There is no privacy. Yeah, not, That's not rule thing. number whatever. <laughs> and, and then Lenina starts talking about things that, that really they just fly in the face of the social construct. And, and, you know, we get to the core of the problem here, and that is that Franny is jealous of Lenina. But jealousy is not supposed to exist here sure. because there is a soma for that right 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 and you know like okay so we get that lenina is being aggressive because she hasn't taken her soma right but you know we see there franny is also she's been i guess been you know we know she took it before the game and i assume they mentioned that uh you know they they had a soma break that uh <clears throat> i assume they're afraid partook in but she's still is pretty intense with this game. I mean, maybe not quite as much as Lenina, but pretty intense. So, you know, that competitiveness that you're right, not supposed to be there. Well, it's totally there. Yeah. What are you doing? Winning. Right. And, you know, obviously that scene where they, they start by playing doubles, but, but as you said, Lenina is ultra aggressive and I'm sure you're like me. You, Anytime you see a TV show or a movie, you know, we've talked about anytime it's in a high school, we're ultra critical, but in a sporting event, no matter what it is, we want to see some authenticity. And I think they did a wonderful job that I I thought all four of them looked athletic and whether it was actually them or CG or I, I, you know, I I don't know, but it was just, I thought a really well done scene and, and pretty soon their two partners uh, we've had enough. We're we're going to go to the post match festivities, which I, I don't know what they are, but they probably involve uh, green juice, soma, and sex. Yeah, it so seems to be the you know, constants for the betas, right. at least. So, right. So now Lenina and and Franny are playing singles, and, and and obviously there's so much more to this little game than just the little game. They're 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 getting everything out and. I was a little surprised that the crowd, not that it gathered, but the crowd's reaction yeah. to that final point. Well, I, you know, Be- I think this is kind of ties in with what we've seen since probably pretty much episode one here, is that, I mean, first of all, th- this society is not as tightly engineered as the one in the novel. So we can say that right away, because okay, here, this society, they have clearly not gotten rid of 
all of those emotions that they're trying to get rid of. And so people enjoying competition and appreciating it, which really shouldn't be a thing in this world at all, but it is. Like they can't help it. The yeah. People can't help but be engrossed in two competitive athletes going at it. And, and then I love it. We're, we're the same, Franny. You know, we have sex with the same people. We do the same things. It's just that you always come in second. Yeah, and, that's rude. Uh, but as you said, this this hyper-aggressiveness is a result of her lack of soma. And then we see her return to her room after the match. And she's literally climbing the walls as she goes through soma withdrawal. And I don't think we blame her for finally giving in and taking the necessary pills because again, I don't want to say the society's not set up to deal with this, but it's not set up to deal with this. And she probably doesn't know what to do. It's not like she can go to her doctor and say, I want to stop taking Soma. What should I do? Right. No, no, that's, that's not an option. Exactly. And, and, you know, like she's almost like she's trying to start like some kind of like little rebellion. She's with Henry and with Franny, both she's trying to encourage them not to take the Soma and to feel what they're feeling, but no one takes her up on it. Right. So if you're the only one that's feeling stuff, um, you know, eventually she, she just realized, you know, like she gets to the point where like her, her choice is to, to, to join back in with everyone. And I think we talked about this last week, right? You're, you're faced with a situation where I can either continue to bang my head against the wall or, you know, and, and to be an individual, which I shouldn't say, bang, you know, to, 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 to be an individual and to follow my own path or to just kind of give in, go the easy way and do what everyone else does and smile and be happy. And so I think, again, I think you know, last week we talked about her trying this. I think she's once again trying it again, like saying, okay, I, you know, the, the individual part didn't necessarily work out like I thought. So I'm going to go back to just smiling and being happy and doing what everyone else does. So let's see how that works out again. Yeah. And then, you know, once she walks out of the party and Bernard finds her alone in that darkened room, looking at a projection of the earth again, just such a wonderful visual because I mean, she's looking at her world, which is, is huge, but contemplating, her place in it and, and and of course the the contrast of her smallness and the, the you know the how this image is so huge i think it just really drives home that point and then she asks if john was responsible for for what happened with henry he says no i think it was me i think yeah. <laughs> and you know I, I, he again this is all new to him and we've said several times henry's easy to dislike at various points in the series just as in the novel as well henry or, or bernard and, i mean bernard i'm sorry now, henry's always yeah. easy to dislike <laughs> um but yeah bernard and um the whole idea that john is the one that pushed him to really get his honor back, it's kind of foreign because getting your honor back is just not part of their culture. So you know, again, it's it's new. So when he says, "Well, I think it was me," you know, he, he's not trying to take the credit here 
the way he's taking credit when he draws a crowd sure. because he knows the savage. Right. Well, but honestly, um, also in his defense earlier when he was at the bar, <clears throat> when he starts off, he he basically hears people talking shit about John, and he's like, "Hey, back off!" You know, kind of like that. He defends John, and then they find out he knows the savage, and all of a sudden people come out. So at first, it wasn't like he wasn't showing off, but once he realized what happens when people find out he knows John, then he he does start to take advantage of it. Yeah, and and then that wonderful uh, scene where she just you know puts her head on his shoulder. Uh, wish they could stay like this, but of course realize they need to get back. And you know, the one thing that I, I won't say it bothers me because you know on on one level uh, I'm kind of intrigued by it, but but they're certainly creating a significant amount of sexual tension between Lenina and John. I mean, if, if you've read the novel, you know it's like a foregone conclusion. Um, but I think even if you've gotten, like, as you said, if you can't have gotten this far in the series and not say, okay, clearly Lenina and John are heading towards each other. They, they're, their paths are, are converging uh, for sure. Well, I was just going to say, you know, we've talked about John having to assimilate. Well, he certainly assimilated into the sexual protocols Right. Of the culture and it seems to be doing just fine on that front but that scene where he's in the conditioning classroom with the children and you know at first it appears that he's sullen and i don't want to be here and, but then you realize he's secretly enjoying this mm-hmm. i saw what you did you sneaky little bastard I, we don't know what the kid did, but yeah. he's like. I think I he calls him a sneaky little shit, but you know, same thing. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. But uh, um, and so Bernard finds him there again, is trying to push the optic interface on him. Well, how are you going to, you know, be able to identify the levels? And he just goes to the window: alpha, alpha, beta, gamma. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's not that hard, it's, Bernard. Yeah. Exactly. And when you think like about society in general, it's, you know, probably, you know, oftentimes it's easy to distinguish different social classes, if not by nothing else, by the the clothes people wear, right? So I I assume that's how he's doing it. Um, Everything. Yeah, I I would think. And and his perception that I've been watching you people, you've got the whole thing rigged, he tells Bernard. Yeah. And. In a sense, he does, but Bernard wasn't the one that made the decision to make his embryo an alpha plus. So, yes, the system is rigged, but it's difficult to blame the players. Right. But, well, like even Franny says, why would that, you know, he said, you know, wouldn't you want to be, no, not Franny. I'm sorry. I I guess the girl, um, Oh yeah, right. Uh, Mustafa Mons number two. Yeah, and he's like, "Don't you want to be an alpha?" Click, 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 click. Everyone takes so much. Yeah, right. Um, and she's like, "No, like they have to work so hard all the time. You know, like they don't get to have any fun. We get to have all the fun. So, you know, like I said, they they are conditioned to." just want to do what they do in that way it the the this society is similar to the one in the book you know they they no one wants more no one wants to be anything besides what they are except for the few people that do right 
Right. And, and I guess the irony is that the beta pluses are are clearly very intelligent. I mean, these are the scientists. Now, you could argue, well, they're just really working on a conveyor belt. They're really nothing more than glorified factory workers. Well, okay, but we do get that scene on the rocket where Lenina is explaining to Bernard about, you know, the chemical properties of the smoke that they see off in the distance, or I forget exactly what it was, but clearly she understands some of these things. And it's almost as if the beta pluses are, are the scientists and the alpha pluses are the philosophers who just sit around and think about things all day. And, you know, I don't think most of us see that as a great, uh, certainly not a great way to make a living. Certainly sure. uh, got to be a parent's worst nightmare that <laughs> the child comes home from college and says, I'm changing my major to philosophy. Right, exactly. And, well, and the alphas also are, they're the bosses though, right? Which most people yeah. say, I want to be the boss, but we want to be the boss in our society because the boss makes more. Like if you made the same amount of money as the boss, you really wouldn't want to be the boss because being the boss comes with a lot of responsibility, right? So in this society where I don't even, it doesn't even seem like there is any kind of notion of, of money at all, well, why, honestly, why would you want to be an alpha? You know, I mean, sure, there's people who are naturally, even our site, alphas who are go-getters and want, but a lot of people would be like, well, if I can just, you know, do my job during the day and then party at night every single night, Okay, I'm pretty good with that. That's a pretty good life, you know? Yeah, right, right, exactly. Um, so he takes her, uh, I'm sorry, Bernard takes John to meet Helm. And, you know, we, we talked about that story he, he tells her later on, which, of course, I guess gets her so charged up that a really good uh, story, she has sex with yeah. him. Uh, yeah, but, but you know what? She had already said Right. That was what she planned to do you know, before she heard the story. Bernard tells John that she's a visionary. And, you know, I guess for their society, she is a visionary. But I, I, I love you know, her character because it, it, it is so emblematic of the tortured artist. And fine, oh, she's not really an artist. Well, she is. She is for their society. And she's facing what every great artist faces how do i top what i just did sure and it's just sometimes so you make the godfather two sometimes you yeah. make the godfather three right <laughs> and uh um you know it's something that that every great artist faces whether you're a writer a filmmaker musician and if you make that great album first Jeez, it just seems like it's all downhill from there. But she's clearly supposed to be, you know, emblematic of the of that hard drinking, pill popping, you know, sexually. I would say sexually degenerate, but for their society, it's you know yeah. not at all. Nope. It's normal. And, and the and the contrast between that and Bernard, who is a counselor. It's, it just seems like it's the perfect friendship, and there is no sexual tension there that, that we're, we're seeing. So how does she top her last creation? Well, I guess a little bit of help from John, or, or at least uh, 
you know, that's what that's what we think. But uh, well, that's also a thing that the thing about you know John is a very destabilizing force here. He's he's showing it in a number of cases. Um, and you know, what if she makes a movie with an actual story? You know, that actually evokes emotions, right? Other other than I guess these as long as it ends in an orgy, right? right. I get, yeah, okay, as long as true. Um, but but you know what I mean. Even to extrapolate from what we know in our society, it, it's almost what an artist would have to do if if I want to create something that is so new. I, I've got to have some elements of the familiar in there, some touchstone, and you know, for her society, that orgy at the end might be it, or maybe she takes Lenina's approach and cuts them off from the orgy scene and, and we see what happens. But, you know, you were talking about the scene where John's waiting. Uh, her name is Zoe, by the way. Okay. Yeah. John, John's waiting to go meet Helm. And, you know, that whole thing, we don't talk like that about, you know, well, don't you ever want to be an alpha? And, and that one beta speaks up. And John gets up, get up, you beta minus motherfucker. <laughs> like he's going to deck him. Right. Ah, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but yeah, that but the poor guy is just like he he really doesn't understand what you know, you know, he, he doesn't process that John is suggesting that they fight. You know, he's like oh, oh, right. why why would I get up? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> Right. Right. Um, you know, we've seen John take a soma before and, and we certainly see him take one here i mean unless he's putting it in his mouth and then spitting it out and we don't see you know i i think it's almost as if he's starting to warm to what he sees and is that an acknowledgement that this is my home now and i i might as well buy into what they're doing because unlike lanina he doesn't have to deal with withdrawal should he decide not to take soma right so uh i mean look we're a culture and have been for thousands of years that have used uh, drugs alcohol you know many things to you know escape whatever so their society is you know really no different in that regard but um that that great scene where bernard goes and John is at the tailor and he's wearing all black again, a classic move. Yeah. Oh, get- that, that outfit is, is great, man. Like, Oh my God, know, it is awesome. That is, that is classic black. That is super cool. Um, yeah, you, you can't go wrong with that. And I guess in any society, yeah, you just, you can't go wrong with the all black outfit. Right. But it fits so well with this theme that we keep talking about because Gary the Gamma Taylor is the one that really initiates the change because John is too long wasted to wear that outfit. Mm-hmm. That's probably never happened before. If Helm gives you this outfit, you print it out and you put it on. That's it. Right. Well, well there's no question. No one's probably ever asked Gary what he thought. And John probably said, What do you think about this jacket? And Gary was like, Ah, you're too long wasted for that, you know. But that no one had ever asked him before, so they would just you know put him put on the jacket, and that was it. 
Yeah, and you know when he's standing up above the partiers with Helm, and, and she says, "Down there, it all seems random. You have to come up here to see the design." I mean, it is performance art. She chose the clothes. She chose who would be nearby whom. It's fun to play Indra, she said. And I wonder, you know, how um, prescient that statement is going to end up being. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's a challenge to her as, you know, he, he questions her stories. I mean, look, we know he has a background in theater, such as it is. I mean, certainly the stories they were telling were more complex than the stories she's telling. Sure. But he has her questioning her art, such as it is, and and I love it. It's just such a, a, a tremendous story point. The uh, Brave New World has been able to accomplish in just five episodes what Killjoys was unable to accomplish over five seasons. I know where you're heading with this, dude. <laughs> So, uh, go ahead. Uh, to see Hannah John Kamen, you know, naked. Yeah. Yep. At least so, mostly. Or by um, double. Mostly. Either way. Yeah. Fred doesn't like the wig. I love the wig. I love the wig. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, she didn't need it. I mean, like, her hair is pretty oh, no, good. Oh, no, no. Otherwise, it, but. It just fits. Yeah. That's a pretty cool wig. Well, Henry interrupts Bernard's story. Remember, he's holding court at the bar, and we learn that he's been named director of the Bureau of Stability. And then, of course, that's where John gives him a quick lesson in throwing a punch. <laughs> Again, it was brilliantly uh, there done. There was so, so much really great humor in this episode. I don't, we haven't really seen a lot of humor previously, but in this one, Oh my God. Like, and they nailed it. You know, like sometimes you see, you know, like when especially genre, uh, you know, works try to, to, to be funny. It doesn't necessarily always work out that well, but this one, oh my God, it was just great. And oh, that scene oh, I mean, showing Bernard how the punch was just, I was in tears. Oh, and his, his first attempt, it's almost like a tomahawk chop yeah. going, <laughs> going vertically. Um, and, and, you know, he confronts him. And, and even before that, though, he says, if you let him treat you like you don't matter, you never will. Right. Exactly. But not something that, that they've had to deal with or have they? I mean, I mean, everybody looks down. When I say everybody, the alpha pluses and even the betas. You know, when John mentions that Bernard's an alpha plus, you hear all those snickers. Yeah. So people have been looking down on bernard his entire life so to you know to finally get revenge and i i love it well is it going to hurt or i forget what he says yeah you you might hurt your, your hand, hand a little bit, bit yeah. but but then he knocks him out and john takes his hand puts it in the air the classic winner move coupled with you know the tennis match where you know, Franny says, what are you doing? I'm winning. That's what I'm doing. And, and that's what Bernard is doing, you know, in this scene. And uh, of course, this is Brave New World. This is New London. Let's end it in an orgy. Yeah. And everybody sure. descends on John. And what's this like about the third time he's had sex today in this, at least in this episode. But Twice, I just he's think. A young, but still, yeah. No, I mean, just I, twice, you got to yeah. appreciate that. He's a young guy, right? Uh, you got to yeah. appreciate the stamina. That's that's awesome. Yep. Good for him. Um, yep. 
You know, but you know, John is, and, and again, so different because I mean, the the orgy in the book that John participates in is a big turning point for that character. Um, and in this, he his reaction is completely different, right? It's he is like you had said before, he is integrating himself into some aspects of the society, and those are the aspects that uh, are the physically pleasurable ones. He'll he'll take a soma every now and then. And he'll have yeah, sex with whoever, you know, these yeah. presents himself to him. <clears throat> and those are the things like when, when I would teach Brave New World, you know, the especially to, to seniors. And the first thing they'd be like, oh, these people have sex all the time and they do drugs. Oh, this place is great. You know, like they, they and so those are the it, much as a teenage high school student would see the attractive elements of this society. Those are the parts that John is attracted to. But those other aspects he chafes against, like the fact of the epsilons and, and how they have to do all the work and everything. The basic social inequity that is you know, pervasive through New London. Uh, the uh, conformity. You know, all of this. The, the, the unpleasant parts he chafes against, but he's all in on the parts that, you know, teenagers also would like well yeah and you wonder whether or not he's going to recognize the fact that he is the catalyst for these others seeing what he sees now it might take a little longer because as fred points out in his feedback he he likes the fact that john continues to criticize the power structure that's going on here And, and in the novel they use the word cast constantly here it's kind of you know morphed into the word level which, right you know whatever same thing sure but but yeah because he really you know that experience that lenina and bernard had with him in the savage land is you know not what got them going but another but it's given them a big push towards questioning their reality and and of course these others on the periphery whether Jack. Uh, 60 is going to have contact with john i think that's likely i guess i guess we'll see but uh anything else you want to bring up oh well uh just the the john still refuses to put the optic in is is kind of like a big thing and, and you know we had mentioned this a little bit before he doesn't need it uh for you know bernard's you know but bernard thinks you should put it in so you can tell everyone's level but reality is indra needs everyone to wear those things as a form of social control right Absolutely. so um again uh, john as a destabilizing force he he refuses to uh conform to this this social norm of, of wearing the optic um so right so, yeah so will we see bernard or lenina remove their optic right well and we saw last episode the director all right, removed his when he went to confront John and try to uh, get John out of there. And how'd that end again? Not well. Oh, yeah. Not well. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Anything else? Uh, I think that's it. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Brave New World Season 1. Episode 5. In the theme, what are we watching? I just watched the first episode of Biohackers, 
which again is a German Netflix series. I got the tip from a colleague from our DNA laboratory. Who knows, I'm a Northern Black fan. It could be an interesting series, and I think Dave once referred to it already, but I have to watch episode 2 and perhaps 3 to really form a proper judgment. The series follows a medical student called Mia, who discovers the use of highly advanced biohacking technology in her university, and the series seems to be so good that it already has announced a second season. One small topic I want to come back to of last week's podcast about New London built on top of Old London, and not in the sense of breaking down Old London, but the New London is really on a kind of platforms and if you look down there where the director fell there are old buildings there it doesn't have to be old london necessarily because we often see in countries that the new whatever new amsterdam new london new york is completely built somewhere else than the original city new york is not built on old york okay about brave new world episode five Wow, man, does this series get good. I really want to give it an A or even an A+. I also noticed this by the feeling not wanting to watch on, just not squandering what is coming. This is psychologically quite weird in myself, that if I find a series very, very good, I'm reluctant to watch the next one, because I just want to keep the good stuff, and I don't want it to be over. I know, it's weird. But the point I actually want to make is that if I get that feeling, it's a sign that I really like a series. Okay, what is so good about this episode? First off, a bigger role for Hannah John Cameron as Helm Watson. Of course, we know her from Killjoys as Dutch. It's just an actress I like in most of the roles she does. I only don't like the wig she is wearing here. A bit uh, ugly and a bit over the top, but on the other hand, that fits her role. Furthermore, I find the cinematography and the world building really outstanding. Not only in this episode, but in the previous three, of course, as well. But in this episode, examples of that are, for instance, Henry's office in the opening scene with that very nice round window, the yellow tennis court... Helm Watson's office and the waiting room in front of it. Bernard and Lenina sitting on that bench watching an image of the world. The setting of Mustafa Mund with this board game. And of course the view of New London, the elevators and the transportation tube. Furthermore, the story and character arcs that John, Bernard and Lenina are going through. And perhaps even Franny. Although some critics were not so pleased by that, found the whole story too much Westworld and not enough depth Huxley, and found Aaron Wright, so John, and Brown Finley, so Lenina, as actors underused. Of course, I don't know the depth of the book, but on the other side, you also could see this series on its own. Perhaps also a little bit unfair, constantly comparing this story to the book. The book just should be regarded as a source concept. Finally, Jean did tell a story. I don't know if that's a story from Shakespeare, with this boy in the fire, and it could be a demon. 
Helm Watson completely gets horny just because John is able to tell a proper story instead of the silly ones she invents. What I liked a lot is John's constant criticizing the hierarchy within New Amsterdam, uh, New London. So, for instance, this discussion with the beta in the waiting room of Helm Watson. So, why won't you try to be an alpha or do the things like an alpha? And the other one in that same waiting room was also very nice that he said, You know, Gamma, what would make me very happy is if you order yourself a drink. And then all that are sitting there taking again a Soma. And another one is, of course, John's Taylor, where he says he has his own ideas and he is discussing that with Bernard. And Bernard is trying to protect this Gamma, or was it a Delta, whatever. He has his own ideas, John said, and he even proves it. By the way, actually, Lenina is doing the same at the beginning of the episode with Henry. In that sense, Lenina's arc is also quite interesting. Trying to survive without Soma, trying to convince Franny of that, trying to convince by their tennis game that they are not that equal as Franny thinks. So, whatever the critics say... I like these arcs, and as well as that one of Bernard. A little mystery is, of course, what is happening to the face of Mustafa Mund in that bath or something like that. Is she somehow a very old being and has to juvenate all the time? Or is she ill? Okay, that was all for this time. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well, obviously, like usually happens, we talked about a lot about Fred's points uh, you know he does mention watching biohackers and you know he seems a lot like my reaction that it was pretty good and again he you know that's his field genetics so um, I'm sure he'll give it give it a chance and you know we'll see um, you know bigger role for Hannah John Kamen I, I think we'd all enjoy that i'm not sure that's going to be in the cards i'm sure we're going to see her again well, she, had, she had a pretty big role in uh ant-man and the wasp yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um she had a role in a show i god i can't remember what it was but uh she was not a nice person in that show but the uh the other thing that that he mentions that i, I just want to bring up about lenina and john's arc and i mean obviously they are the two central characters at this point and you know it's natural but yeah i i i love how their arcs are proceeding and i saw an article online i was afraid to read it because i haven't even though i've read the novel multiple times i haven't seen the end of the series so i don't know what they're going to do with it how they're going to change it and to what extent, but that apparently they're setting things up for a season two, which uh, that'll be okay with me. I mean, I think there's probably a lot of things you could explore with these characters. Right. Well, I, I think especially since kill they've already diverged almost completely from the novel, that definitely, you know, again, at this point, we're, we're not even bothering to compare the two anymore. And, uh, you know, we just know, even though we do still talk about the novel a little bit, but really the comparisons are, are completely out the window. You know, why not a season two? Who knows where this 
is going to go, as you said. And, and certainly, I mean, once you've kind of taken your leave from the, the source material, you can go wherever you want with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right, Fred, thank you for the feedback. And always curious to know what you'll have for us next week. Actually, Fred sent his feedback for episode six in early. I didn't look at it yet, Fred, and I, I actually didn't even open it because I didn't want to get confused mm-hmm. by which one we were talking about tonight. But uh, what do you got for a grade here? Yeah, I mean, we're definitely in the A. Um, there's there's nothing about this episode that I didn't like. It was really, you know, I, I'm going to go A on this one. I think Good. about it. There's, there's yeah, nothing I can... Too to say to to grade it down i usually obviously reserve the a's for for really really superior ones but i mean this this one did everything pretty superior yeah yeah, yeah it was there was there was violence there was sex there was nudity there was language and uh they all those things they did well and i really really like i said before i mean i just i loved the elements of humor that they put in there when john is talking to the betas and they every time he says something that's uncomfortable you just hear the clicking all around the room um yeah you know showing bernard how to to hit somebody um it's just you know and the the comment to the kid he he doesn't call him a little shit he just says that he tells bernard that that one's a sneaky little shit he's like yeah don't you know what you did (laughs) you know just like well part also is alden ehrenreich is a really really good actor he's extremely likable as i don't know he could be the biggest asshole in the world in real life but on screen he oftentimes well every role i think i've seen him play has been a super affable very likable character so he just he does that really well so all right well let's go ahead and leave it there um dude i'm looking forward to uh seeing the rest of this but i'm gonna stick to my one a week all right well that's gonna do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch want to thank you guys for joining us love to hear what you think about brave new world if you've got any final thoughts about dark anything else going on in genre tv join the facebook group let us know what you're watching there you're already a member you can bring people in emails can go to sci-fi tv rewatch at gmail.com we'll be back next week to discuss episode six of the nbc peacock dystopian classic brave new world titled in the dirt but until then yeah dave i was there your last year of teaching right and you knew you were going to retire it just seemed like you, you changed a little bit that last year you know like you were a little bit more rebellious seemed like you're always trying to start shit and everything you know i mean the one time like there was an administrator like a county level administrator was there they're walking down the hall you just leaned over to me said you pop that smug little twat in his grill and you're gonna feel fucking great <laughs>